From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Here to discuss the current status of physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia in the United States and other countries is Dr. Ronald Pies, a professor of psychiatry and a lecturer on bioethics and humanities at Upstate. He's also a clinical professor of psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine and the editor-in-chief emeritus of the journal Psychiatric Times. Welcome, Dr. Pies. Thanks very much, Amber. So let's start by explaining what is physician-assisted suicide and how does it differ from euthanasia? Sure. And uh, before I forget, I'd like to thank my colleague, Dr. Mark Comrade, for uh, helping with uh, the background material that I'll be referring to. Okay. So basically, um, physician-assisted suicide refers to uh, the uh, prescribing of a uh, lethal uh, medication for a patient who uh, wishes to end his or her life. Uh, the patient takes the lethal medication um, pretty much when he or she uh, decides to do that. Uh, and that differs from euthanasia, which is sometimes called uh, mercy killing, uh, in that with euthanasia, the physician or someone uh, actually uh, administers, um, usually by lethal injection, uh, the drug that uh, ends up taking the person's life. Okay, so it has to do with the um, uh, ability of the person to take make a decision that they want to die versus someone else making the decision that they want that person to die. Well, in both cases, the, the person uh, may wish to end his or her life. Um, the, the difference is really that in one case, uh, the person uh, himself uh, takes the lethal medication, um, and uh, no one may even be present at that time. Um, in contrast with euthanasia, someone is actually uh, sort of pushing the plunger, so to speak. Okay. Uh, so it's a difference between lethal prescription and lethal injection, if you want to look at it that way. Okay. Now, um, the term assisted dying, is that different? Right. Um, here we get into some difficult uh, linguistic uh, battles because the terms that we apply uh, have a lot to do with the values that we want to advocate. So, for example, people who generally favor what I would call physician-assisted suicide uh, will often refer to it as assisted dying or medical assistance in dying. Uh, and so it becomes kind of a political battleground, unfortunately. Uh, I do not like the term assisted dying uh, or medically assisted dying. I think it's misleading uh, because when a person ingests a lethal uh, medication, um, you're not assisting dying. You're terminating dying by inducing death. And so from my standpoint, the term assisted dying or medically assisted dying is a bit of a euphemism. And I, I think it, it really disguises some of the ethical issues that physicians uh, face. Okay. Well, let's talk about the current status of physician-assisted sure. suicide and euthanasia in the, U, in the U.S. Sure. Um, how many states allow? Uh, by my latest count, it's seven states or districts uh, in one form or another um, um, allow for what I would call PAS, physician-assisted suicide, uh, Oregon, Washington State, uh, Montana, though it's more complicated there, uh, Vermont, California, Colorado, 
and uh, the District of Columbia. Um, but uh, current laws are being considered in 16 other states. Um, so this is something that has grown in recent years. Um, interestingly, North Dakota, uh, their legislature, actually came out with a joint resolution saying that PAS, uh, physician-assisted suicide, is not ethical and not good public policy. And so that was really unique among all the states. Huh. So they've... Is there a, like a law saying that they're not going to have it, or they just come out strongly in, against? Uh, it's a joint resolution of its uh, legislature oh. saying uh, that they will not uh, permit any legislation to legalize uh, PAS in North Dakota. Yes. Well, how does uh, how do things compare with Canada and Europe? In that uh, the short answer is things are looser in Canada and uh, in Europe. Uh, in Canada, they have something called uh, C-14. It's a federal law that allows what they call medical aid in dying. And there again, you have what to me is a bit of a, a euphemism. Um, in contrast to the United States, where uh, basically um, PAS is applied only to terminally ill uh, patients, uh, in Canada, uh, they have a looser uh, category. They uh, say that the person must uh, have an insufferable and untreatable condition, but uh, that is considerably looser than saying the person is terminally ill. Mm. Uh, they also require in Canada that death is, quote, foreseeable, and again, um, there's a lot of latitude in that. Um, in Europe, things are even looser. Um, basically, uh, euthanasia by lethal injection is legal, uh, even for non-terminal patients, even for patients with psychiatric disorders. Uh, I'm talking now about the um, Benelux countries, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. Um, and there are many reports uh, in Europe of patients with what I would call treatable psychiatric disorders uh, being uh, essentially killed, killed, sometimes huh. by their own physicians, which I personally find very, very troubling. I bet that's a big controversy in your field. It is a huge controversy, uh, and the American Psychiatric Association came out with a resolution uh, basically uh, saying that um, psychiatrists are prohibited ever from uh, prescribing um, a lethal medication for someone with a essentially a non-terminal or a treatable psychiatric illness. Um, and that was a pretty strong position on the part of the APA. Well, psychiatrists are physicians who take an oath to first do no harm, right? Well, that's right, and the Hippocratic Oath is even more uh, specific, um, and the, the, the quote from the Hippocratic Oath uh, is, um, I, the physician, will neither give a deadly drug to anybody if asked for it, nor will I make a suggestion to this effect. Um, seems pretty clear to me. And um, the Hippocratic physicians really differed from other physicians of their time who sometimes would assist in killing their patients. So Hippocrates was a bit of a, um, a, bit of a rebel, in a sense, in his time. Well, this is um, HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with psychiatrist Dr. Ronald Pies on the subject of physician-assisted suicide. Um, are there other major ethical considerations regarding physician-assisted suicide in addition to the Hippocratic Oath? Well, yes. Um, there are a lot of concerns about proper screening of uh, patients, 
Uh, for example, uh, in the United States, uh, there's no requirement for any psychiatric assessment uh, or treatment of the patient. Um, in the United States, um, a second opinion is required, but if the second opinion denies uh, the patient's uh, wish, the patient can, so to speak, keep shopping around for uh, a second opinion. Um, and uh, this is troubling uh, to, to many of us. Uh, there's also no medical supervision uh, once the lethal uh, drug is dispensed. So, uh, there's no oversight um, of whether the patient is being coerced to take it. Maybe people in the house are putting pressure on him or her to take it. Um, and there's no protection for anybody who might happen to find this lethal drug in the house and, and use it. So uh, these are all uh, ethical concerns for us. So in the U.S. right now, are people who are not terminally ill, say someone with a psychiatric disorder, right. are they eligible for physician-assisted suicide in the U.S.? Uh, no, is the okay. short answer, uh, Amber. Um, in the U.S., uh, basically, uh, PAS, physician-assisted suicide, is really for people uh, who have been diagnosed as terminally ill. Uh, so people with end-stage uh, cancer, for example, would be eligible um, People with psychiatric disorders per se are not uh, eligible in, in the United States, uh, though there have been arguments um, by various groups uh, saying uh, that uh, we should not, quote, discriminate, unquote, against uh, people with mental illnesses by excluding them, which seems to me a very odd uh, sort of use of uh, equal protection. Interesting. What are uh, some of the reasons that people give for requesting physician-assisted suicide? Right. Good question, uh, Amber. One of the misconceptions is that uh, people are in uh, the last stages of their disease. They're in horrible pain. They're suffering terribly, and they, they, they just want uh, an end to their misery. Uh, actually, that's not true. Um, most of the people uh, who have been studied in Oregon and Washington, the states with the most experience so far, uh, most of those people are not in severe pain. Um, instead, they are afraid of becoming dependent. Uh, they're afraid that um, they will lose their dignity. They are uh, anxious about dying. These are all issues that mental health professionals could be very helpful with. With. Um, and so it's not a matter of, uh, for the most part, treating terrible, intractable pain or suffering. Wow. So it's something else. I... It's really um, anxiety. Uh, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be a burden on my family? Um, am I going to die alone? Am I going to be lonely at the end? And these are all issues that can be addressed uh, by talking with the patient. Uh, and um, my own view and the view of many of my colleagues is that um, killing, helping to kill the patient is not the way to deal with those kinds of anxieties. Do, do you believe that people have a right to physician-assisted suicide? And does that differ from the right to decline treatment? Yeah, in their that, last that's days? a great question. Um, I do not believe that people have a right to uh, physician-assisted suicide, and uh, that has never been upheld as a right by, for example, the United States Supreme Court. Um, there's an important distinction to be made here, I'll just make it briefly, um, between liberties and rights. Um, I believe, and, and the courts have supported, 
uh, first of all, uh, that uh, people have a right to decline uh, unwanted treatment if they are mentally competent. So no one who is mentally competent is obligated to uh, have medical treatment that they do not wish, particularly when they're terminally ill. So that is, that is a, a, a right. Um, but the right to suicide or assisted suicide has never been uh, upheld. People who are competent, uh, mentally competent, may be at liberty to take their lives, meaning that um, we do not interfere with their decision if they're mentally competent. Uh, but a right is something that confers duties on other people. And we do not believe, my colleagues and I do not believe, that there is a right to have somebody else help kill you. Uh, so it's the difference between being at liberty to do something and having a right that requires other people's assistance. That's an important distinction. So how does the issue of palliative care um, and terminal sedation enter into the debate? Well, uh, palliative care is really the use of uh, pain-relieving medication for people who are in the end uh, of days, in the last stages of a terminal illness. And um, palliative care is aimed really at comfort. Um, it is not aimed at prolonging the dying process. Uh, it is aimed at helping the person deal with uh, pain that they may be experiencing at the end of days. Uh, palliative sedation is a, a, a more aggressive use of uh, medication to basically decrease the person's level of consciousness, not to end their life, but to decrease their level of consciousness to the point where they, we believe, are not experiencing uh, the pain. And that is um, usually considered a last resort uh, in hospice uh, settings. But these are alternatives, certainly, to uh, giving people medications to take that will kill them. Sure. What, what about the ethics of um, someone who voluntarily stops eating and drinking as a mean right, to that, end their life? That's a great question, too. VSED, voluntary stopping of eating and drinking, uh, has long been recognized in many spiritual traditions as a, a dignified way of ending one's life, uh, usually in the context of some serious uh, terminal illness. Um, in the Jain uh, religion, for example, this has been recognized for centuries. Um, contrary to a, a very um, popular myth, um, voluntary stopping of eating and drinking is not a, a horrible uh, process of starving oneself because as one is dying, the body naturally decreases its need for food and most people who are in the final stages of dying uh, refuse food anyway. Uh, so refusal of food and drink is uh, an alternative, and I think an ethically justifiable alternative, to physician-assisted suicide. And voluntary stopping of eating and drinking is recognized by uh, most hospice organizations as a dignified and ethical way of uh, ending one's life. And physically, someone may not be able to eat or drink in the end of life. Uh, that's that's true. Uh, one good thing about VSED is that the patient can change his mind uh, and at some point say, you know what, um, I think I'm um, going to eat <laughs> or drink. Uh, whereas when you administer a lethal drug, uh, most cases it's going to be over for that person. There's no going back. Very interesting. My guest has been Dr. Ronald Pies, a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.